the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith. We are the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church. And we are live, live for the next hour with your uh, host, expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Excuse me, my name is Gary Bell, and we're inviting you to call in with your questions, comments, and your concerns. Our toll-free number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 1-888-367-5329. Don't be shy. Pick up that phone. Let us know what's on your mind. Again, that number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. Well, over the past few weeks, we've had a tremendous response to our new series on the two trivia questions from the Bible. We've been discussing the trivia question related to the word first in the book of Genesis. Tonight, we will continue with part three of the trivia questions with how many firsts do we have in Genesis and also in the entire Bible. The truth of these trivia questions every Christian should know and be able to apply to their lives. So stay tuned for this and much, much more, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know you're going to be blessed by the program tonight. And as Brother Gary said, we want to thank everybody out there for uh, being blessed by this teaching as well as contributing and writing in and bringing out some other points. And we want to utilize some of those points and as we go as well. So we thank you for that. And uh, we're going to pick up uh, with this trivia questions on the word first uh, with uh, number nine. I'm going to go back to number nine because uh, we started this uh, off uh, getting into a lot of that last time. And so we're going to start off with number nine. And I want to say that the uh, the first murder and uh, the first death, uh, we are talking about Cain, you know, killing his uh, brother Abel. And uh, along with this uh, number nine, uh, with uh, Genesis recording, also the first obituaries as well, because it's a series of deaths over and over, saying in Genesis 5 and he died, and he lived, and he died, and so-so died. And so you get this obituary going on in Genesis 5 over and over. Uh, number uh, 10, uh, Genesis records the first evil son of Adam, was Cain. And then Adam and Eve were the first uh, farmers, and Cain was not a good farmer of the ground. And so we see and learn about this, as well as uh, number 11, uh, Genesis records the first righteous son uh, of Adam, and that was Abel. And uh, Adam and Eve were the first farmers and herders of animals, uh, and mostly every family have uh, this problem today in terms of a uh, 
good son and a bad son, a good daughter and a bad daughter. And this goes on today as well in our world. Uh, let me uh, also uh, just say this um, in terms of this 11th point that uh, dealing with this righteous son, uh, Abel, you know, it's just we have to just pray for our children that God will make them righteous, that they will have a heart after him. And, you know, not only our first child, but all of our children, that they'll have a heart after God like David did. And uh, we love this word first. It's throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. And we even find that in Genesis 4 and 4, it says that Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof. Notice the word firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof. You got the word first right there in uh, Genesis uh, uh, 4 and 4. And then number 12, Genesis records the first man, Methuselah, who lived longer than any other human being, reaching the age of 969 years of age. That's a long time to live in uh, one body, and yet he's the oldest man, the first oldest man that ever lived that, that long. Number 13, Genesis records the first godly preacher who was taken to heaven without dying. His name was Enoch. The Bible says in Genesis 5 and 24, Enoch walked with God and was not because God took him. Oh, what a marvelous teaching there. He was not because God took him, the first person that never uh, died, and uh, yet that was Enoch. Number 14, Genesis records the first universal flood where God told Noah to build an ark or barge of the safety to protect his family from the destruction of a flood upon humanity at that time. And then number 15, Genesis records the first three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Noah's three sons, the ancestors of all people today that God first, now notice that God first used to populate the whole earth, the first of the races. Oh, what a marvelous teaching of the Word of God. Number 16. Uh, in Genesis records uh, the first old, the first earliest civilization, Canaan, the Canaanites, and the first world oldest citizen, Methuselah. Uh, we learn about Methuselah in Genesis four and seventeen, and this is uh, and on and on and throughout the scriptures we. Uh, always hear about this man. We always hear about this man from Genesis. And uh, it's interesting that uh, Lamech in Genesis 4 and 19, he is the first recorded rebel against the divine command uh, of a monogamous marriage. And he was into uh, polygamy and uh, had two wives. So you learn about this uh, polygamous marriage. This is the first time the polygamous marriage is mentioned. You want to write that down. It's so important to look at Genesis 4 and 19. Uh, you'll find that very interesting as well. And then number 17 in Genesis 11, 
uh, records the first judgment of God upon man's language and the confusion of the languages. Here you have the first rebellion of Babel. You got the two B's, so Babel and another B, the first revival in Bethel. We learn about this in Genesis 11 and 4 and uh, chapter 35 through 2 through 4. And then number 18 in Genesis records the first three divine institutions. The first three divine institutions. Number one, marriage. We learn about this in Genesis 2 and verses 21 through 25. And secondly, the human government, Genesis 9 and 6. And then number three, the nation of Israel, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Uh, and uh, in the New Testament, we know the church is an institution in Matthew 16 and 18 and 19. Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And then number 19, uh, Genesis records the first major city destroyed by God, Sodom and Gomorrah, because of the practice of homosexuality. And Billy Graham was right. If God doesn't judge America, he'll have to apologize for what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's why we see judgment upon America every day. We hear somebody getting in trouble, being judged for their sins. And their sins will find them out. Whatever's done in the dark, it'll be brought to the light. And number 20, Genesis records the first barren mother, Sarah, and the first dying mother, Rachel. We learn about this of Rachel in Genesis 16 and, uh, and then 35. And number 21, Genesis records the first king called Melchizedek, a typology of Jesus as our king. We learn about this in the book of Genesis 14 and then 25. And then number 22, Genesis records the first three great biblical covenants uh, introduced in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And the covenants are the Abraham covenant, the David covenant, and the new covenant. Uh, these are the three covenants. We learn about the Abraham covenant in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and David covenant. In Second uh, Samuel seven four through sixteen, and First Chronicles seventeen three through five, and also the new covenant in Jeremiah thirty one and verse thirty six, and this new covenant is for us today as well. Now let me say this in in conclusion. Uh, the first is mentioned and shared throughout the Bible. And uh, we need to be familiar with all of these firsts. And we learn uh, that uh, the first uh, book talks about these firsts, and even the last book, which is the book of Revelation. Now, 23rd, Genesis records hum humanity's first rebellion against God, and we see this in Genesis 3, 1 through 6. But in Revelation, notice this comparison. But in Revelation, records the final rebellion, which is in Revelation 20, verses 7 through 10. Number 24, Genesis records the first entrance of sin into the world, Genesis 3, 1 through 6. But Revelation records the exit of sin out of the world, Revelation 20, verse 10 and 21 and 4 through 8. 
Number 25, Genesis records the first curse in the world, Genesis 3, 9 through 19. But Revelation records the first lifting of the curse out of the world by God in Revelation 22 and verse 3. Oh, what marvelous truths these are. Number 26, Genesis records the beginning of death into the world. Uh, Then Revelation records the end of death in the world, Revelation 21 and 4. And yet uh, Genesis records the beginning of death into the world, Genesis 3 and uh, 19 and on and on. Number 27, Genesis records the first creation of the present heaven and earth, Genesis 1 and 1. But Revelation, notice the comparison of Genesis and Revelation, but Revelation records the first creation of the new heavens and the new earth, Revelation 21 and verse 1. So I want to just say this in finishing this up. Let me say something about Jesus Christ using the first words, Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ uses the first and even using the word alpha, which is the first. And he also used the word omega, which is the last. So 28, I appreciate this this, uh, important teaching because with Jesus, because even in Mark 12, verses 29 through 31, Jesus uses the first word when he says in Genesis and in uh, Mark, rather, 12 and verse 29, Jesus answered, the first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And then verse 30, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength and with all everything that God is saying, Jesus Christ is saying. So this is the first commandment that Jesus is saying. Jesus, even in verse 31, he says, the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This is none other commandment greater than these. Wow, what great truth. And then number 29, Jesus in rebuking the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and Luke 6 and verse 42, Jesus said, thou hypocrites, cast first the beam out of thine own eye and thou shalt see clearly and pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. And we need to have a lot of people in our churches do that today. Number 30, in Mark 10 and verse 31, Jesus said, But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. We need to remember that in a lot of our churches today and in our personal life today. 31, best first by Jesus, and I want to conclude on this one, is Matthew 6 and 33. But seek ye first Not second, third. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is our priority, is to put Jesus, number one, over our lives, over our marriages, over our children, over our family, over our jobs, over our business, over everything. Jesus needs to be number one. We need to repent if we haven't put him first. And, you know, it's interesting that the Bible talks about the first fruit. You know, in, even in our giving, we need to give our time, talent, and treasure to Jesus. And that's why the Apostle Paul says in Romans 11 and 35, and he asked the question, or who has first given to God? 
and shall be recompensed unto him again. That means that when you give to God first, you will be recompensed. They'll come back to you. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches regarding these trivia questions on the first. And even Jesus knocks a home run with that word first. Brother Gary. All right. Well, I want to be first to let you know that our phone lines are open. And we want to hear from you. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 Don't be shy. Grab that phone. Give us a call. We want to hear from you tonight. Looks like our phone lines are lit up like a Christmas tree. <clears throat> so you'll keep trying if you haven't got on. Uh, we'll, we have plenty of time left in the broadcast to entertain your questions, your comments. If you need prayer, we're here to pray with you. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Barry, a pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 5329 Don't be shy. Grab that phone. Give us a call. Once again, that number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. And we want to begin by thanking everyone who's been praying for Contending for the Faith. And without your diligent prayers and faithful donations, we would never have stayed on the air for so long. We also want to thank those who gave over this past week. Bridget, Scott, Fred, C.R., Charles, Mary, June, Jim and Kim, Rick and Jackie. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to this ministry. It costs us 400 a week to stay on the air. So we are constantly in need of your help. We are listener-supported, and without your support, our program will fizzle out like so many others have done. So if you've been blessed by this program and enjoy Dr. Buckner's teaching, won't you partner with us? Step up to the plate. Um, you know, become more than just a listener. Become somebody that's involved in uh, partnering with us here at Contending for the Faith. There's two ways that you can donate. Uh, number one, send a check or a money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Again, that's send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. But the second way is simple. Just go on to your computer, your laptop, <clears throat> to your tablet, phone, and go to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. And click on the Donate button. It's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. You know, we always want to say thank you to those who have you know, sent us a note of encouragement, and we've been getting a lot of uh, response regarding this series on on uh, the trivia questions. We've had an overwhelming response from listeners weighing in on the trivia series related to the firsts. Uh, many listeners have given other firsts, which Dr. Buckner will bring out in his teachings as well. So keep listening. Keep, keep taking those notes. Keep being blessed. And you know what? Share this stuff with other people. Share it with other believers. Share it with your pastor. Tell them to tune in and get a dose of this good teaching. You know, it's important that uh, you don't just sit on this stuff and just soak it up like a sponge and never give it out. Uh, it's the, God is blessing you with information and knowledge that you can speak intelligently and be a witness. So invite others to listen to the broadcast. Talk to your pastors. Talk to your, your small group members and have them, you know, build a small group lesson around what we're teaching. There's so many ways you can take advantage of the wonderful teaching here at Contending for the Faith. In addition to since I'm on the subject of teaching, uh, Dr. Buckner is going to be teaching a class on spiritual gifts and rewards, part three. Uh, this class will begin <clears throat> Monday, 
September 10th. It's going to be held at the East Bay Baptist Association uh, building located at 1221 Pacific Avenue in San Leandro, California. Um, so we want to encourage you. This is a great opportunity to come out and take advantage of all the years that Dr. Buckner and experience he has from teaching um, and just glean so much from uh, this this class. It'll be an exciting time. You get to meet Dr. Buckner, get to rub elbows with other students, and it'll be a great time of learning. Again, we want to encourage you. This class begins Monday, September 10th. Again, it's at the East Bay Baptist Association office located at 1221 Pacific Avenue in San Leandro, California. If you are interested, uh, call Dr. Buckner directly at area code 415-721-1778 or email him at jlbcftf at comcast.net. That's jlbcftf at comcast.net. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, for those announcements. And we are looking forward to the class and looking forward to encouraging people uh, along the way to be a part of this. And that way I can meet you and you can come in and get some good teaching. Uh, We know that uh, this class has always blessed those who come out and we uh, work out the financial things with you and balance out things. Uh, But we're looking forward to this upcoming class. And as Brother Gary said, we trust that you got blessed by the teaching tonight and uh, this series on the first uh, word in the Bible. So uh, we know that people have been really blessed by this, writing us and responding regarding it. So uh, what we're going to do right now, we're going to get to our callers and use our time wisely. So who do we have first, Brother Gary? All right, Brother Gerald is up next. So let's talk to Gerald in Daly City. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you doing there? I'm uh, doing okay. Good to talk to you, and thanks for taking my call. Well, we appreciate you calling in. Is this your first time calling in? First time, yes. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Another we, first, right? Amen. <laughs> there, there you go, the word first. So we have the first uh, time you called in. And what's on your heart tonight, my brother? Well, um, some say tongues was a language given to the uh, first disciples to help them spread the gospel, and that this, is ha- this has ceased. And some say tongues is a form of gibberish prayer language to God given through the Spirit that continues to this day. But the book, The Doctrine and Teaching of Speaking with Tongues, Bible concepts to completely understand what tongues are says neither of these are true and both can be shown to be incorrect and that the whole Christian world are going to be in wonder when they come to know what tongues truly are. At least that's what it says on the description page on, on Amazon. You know, anyone could go there for themselves to read it for themselves. But if, if someone has come up with the doctrine to give us absolute understanding what tongues are to satisfy everyone's curiosity, that would be great. So I was wondering if you have heard of this book or what do you make of these things? And uh, I'll take my answer off the air. Okay. And let me, before you take the answer off the air, uh, are you for tongues or you're against tongues? I'm against, I'm against the tongues spoken today. Okay. Well, let me respond to that, and we appreciate your, uh, your call. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Well, there is always a debate around tongues, uh, whether they exist today or not. And uh, there are those who say that tongues are not in operation today. And then there are those who say that tongues are in operation today. And I don't go along with uh, what people say. Uh, I have to look at the Word of God and base uh, my 
the truth of uh, this subject matter with the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit said through the apostles. And uh, I just want to say this, that uh, if you look at Romans 11, and I believe it's 28 and 29, it it talks about the gifts and callings of God are um, without repentance in the old King James and uh, in the Greek is irreftable, which means it cannot be rebuked. In other words, when it says without repentance, that means that they uh, are still here because they're still operating. With repentance means you change. So that's one of the classic uh, verses, and you may want to do an exegetical study of that because uh, when Paul argues this under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, uh, he first of all start off with uh, Romans 11 and 1, and has God cast away his people? God forbid. In other words, God has not changed regarding uh, the uh, the Israel, and nor has he changed regarding the gifts. So he changes his teaching from the fact that God has not changed regarding Israel, nor has his, he changed regarding the operation of the gifts of grace. And we know this to be true from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, and I would have to say that uh, he puts uh, uh, the 1 Corinthians 13 in the middle of the gifts uh, because uh, love should guide us when it comes to tongues. And I would also uh, encourage you to look at, uh, I would say, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because it talks about that uh, the a lot of people have different interpretations of the word perfect, but I believe that the word perfect in Greek is referring to the second coming of Christ, that when he returns, and it says, when the perfect come, the partial shall be done away with, and he argues that all of the partials are all of the gifts. So the gifts in the body of, of Christ today, which is in First Corinthians 12 through uh, 14, as well as in the book of Romans and other places, uh, God has put them here to edify and build up the church. And then when it comes to tongues, we have to just be careful that we do it uh, with decently and order because God is not the God of confusion. And I would say that there's many different types of tongues. There is a private tongue between you and the uh, God and uh that your spirit will be edified. We find this in 1 Corinthians 14. And then there's a tongue also to the believers, number two, to believers. And then number three, a tongue to uh, to uh, uh, unbelievers. And then I would say, I would add two other tongues. There's a carnal tongue that is not uh, has nothing to do with the scriptures at all. And then there is a demonic tongue. And so... Uh, people fall in all these categories here, but we are to test all things and hold fast at that which is good, and we are to test tongues, whether they are genuine or counterfeit. And when people are speaking in tongues in the church, oftentimes they don't do it with an interpreter, and that's a grave sin to not have an interpreter because Paul says if someone comes in and they uh, are unlearned, they will uh, look at the church as being mad. You don't want to present that bad witness to the church. So I just want to say that, and and that's my uh, response to the, the the question and concern. Well oh. said, Doctor Buckner. You know, there's always this controversy and confusion around tongues, and a lot of times there's been so much abuse of tongues that many churches don't want to deal with it. They just throw the baby out with the proverbial bathwater. Mm-hmm. And and but that's like you know 
one extreme over another. That's so true. Yeah, we can go to one extreme where we deny it, and mm-hmm. the other extreme is uh, overdo it, yep. and uh, we need to be in the middle. And I try to bring balance to it myself. And well said, Brother Gary. Well, let's go to our next call. All right. Brother Rick has been waiting patiently. I know the listening audience is anxious to hear how he's doing and hear his voice. How are you doing, Brother Rick? I am blessed. How about yourself? Oh, we're truly blessed, and uh, we trust that you got blessed by the teaching tonight. Very much so. A lot, a lot, a lot of firsts. Yes. Amen. Amen. A good way to say it. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's on your heart tonight? What question you have? I've got a couple of interesting questions, but I'm going I'm to focus uh, one at a time. I just want to get your biblical perspective on what is going on in the Catholic Church. And I know it's not the first time it's been going on. It's, 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 it's nothing new under the sun. But uh, how would you respond to the events uh, taking place now in the Catholic Church? And also uh, what, what's going on in, in our other churches? Because our problems are not only in the Catholic Church, but it's in our, our Protestant churches as well. Well, that's a very good question, Brother Rick. And let me try to uh, balance this out the best I can. And I want to bring out several different points regarding that. I want to first of all say uh, that uh, in First Peter 4 and 17, <clears throat> the Apostle Peter hits the proverbial theological nail on the head by simply saying that judgment begins in the house of God. And I see that God is cleaning house, just like he went into the temple and he cleaned the temple out. He's doing that in a lot of the Catholic churches as well as the Protestant churches. God is cleaning house, and he's even cleaning house when it comes to the government and uh, from the, uh, the White House, the church house, and those who have no house. God is cleaning house, and this is what uh, the Scriptures is telling us. So, uh, you you can't get away with doing wrong because the scriptures is very clear that your sins will find you out. And what a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You may get away with it for a moment, but God is going to bring everything that's in the dark to the light. And we see this happening by judgment beginning in the house of God. God does not play around with people uh, faking and pretending to be something that they're not, and God will judge uh, a person severely for that. The second thing is this, that uh, when a person has fallen, uh, a sure sign of genuine repentance is that they really apply the words of Jesus when Jesus said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. When a person continues to sin that we're hearing in the Catholic Church, uh, as well as Protestant churches, and not going to sin no more, it means that it's a bigger problem than what we can imagine. And I think the big problem is this in the, in the Catholic Church, and you don't hardly hear nobody saying this. I heard another man say this. Uh, as a matter of fact, a, uh, a, a Catholic uh, priest say this, and he hit it right on the nose. What I've always said <clears throat> is that this, is that when you see leaders fall in the Catholic Church and in the Protestant churches, it's a deterioration of this, that the lack of accountability uh, from the top all the way down. The, when, in a lot of the churches, what has happened is that the, they have reversed the role of Christ. Christ is not the head, uh, but the pastor has become the head, or the priest has become the head, and then the people don't have no say-so. 
just like in every Protestant church, you got to have a pulpit committee and a board. The same thing is true with the Catholic Church, and they don't set this thing up. So the uh, priest becomes the dictator, and a lot of Protestant churches, pastors become dictators, and there's no accountability. And so the power needs to be moved from the leadership down to the laypersons and the board and the pulpit committee so they can hold these people accountable and ounce them out when they do this sort of thing. So this is what the Catholic Church needs to do, and a lot of Protestant churches need to do, because there is no system of accountability and structure and to clean house and to make it stay clean. See, and we, we've heard this, and we're going to go to a commercial break in a minute, and we'll come back and I'll deal with this some more. But we heard about this large church, I believe it's in Chicago, Willow Creek Community Church, and they had to bring down the pastor because of the fact that they claimed that he was molesting some of the boys. And we see, we've heard around in the Bay Area, uh, pastors falling and, and priests. It's because the lack of accountability from the laymen and the boards holding them accountable and ouncing them out. But when a person becomes a dictator and a controller, he can do whatever he wants to do. You know, it's like Henry Lyons of a large Baptist church. The man was doing all sorts of things, homosexuality, uh, adultery, and yet I'm going to stay here because I'm the pastor of the church. And they had no structure set up to hold that man accountable from the layman perspective. Well, what we're going to do right now, we're going to go to a commercial break, and I'll come back and say some more on this. Brother Gary. All right. Well, it's time for us to take that break. Our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bayer, pastor, lecture counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. That number is one eight 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 F O R K F A X. That's one triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. Give us a call. We're here to give you time to talk about your questions, your comments, your concerns. If you need prayer, we want to pray with you. Again, that number is one eight 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 F O R K F A X. And once again, we just want to thank all of you who have been praying for contending for the faith over these many many years. It's your prayers and it's also your financial support that keeps this ministry on the air. And so we can't thank you enough. We just want to encourage you, keep praying, keep giving, keep supporting this ministry because it's doing the work that God has put it on earth to do. We're here to touch lives for time and eternity. We're here to give reasons and answers for faith. We're here to encourage and to bless and to and to provide that support that you need as you walk this walk that God has put you here on planet earth to walk. So again, we want to encourage you continue to pray for contending for the faith, continue to give. There's two ways you can donate. First way is send a check or a money order to contending for the faith post office box five, five, three Tiburon, California, nine, four, nine, two, zero. That's contending for the faith post office box five, five, three Tiburon, California, nine, four, nine, two, zero. Now the second way is so much easier. Get on your laptop, your tablet, your smartphone, go online and go to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org and click on the donate button. And it's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. Also, we want to remind you that Dr. Buckner is going to be uh, teaching a class coming in September, September the 10th to be exact. 
It's going to be a class on spiritual gifts and rewards, part three. You won't want to miss this. Uh, it's going to be held at the East Bay Baptist Association office located at 1221 Pacific Avenue in San Leandro, California. For more information, contact Dr. Buckner directly at area code 415-721-1778 or email him at JLB. CFTF at Comcast.net. That's JLBCFTF at Comcast.net. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary. Appreciate those announcements. And Brother Rick, you still there? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah, let me, let me say a few more things, and then I'll get your response to, to what I've said. Um, the other thing, and Brother Gary and I was talking about this, and I had it on my notes as well, is that um, there is, uh, after a person... It's held accountable, I mean, because the accountability should be in the hands of a board, layman, uh, because a lot of times uh, leaders in leadership and pastors as well as priests, they end up operating on this um, level amongst themselves, and it's a hush-hush situation, which means that those who have uh, violated, uh, you know, uh, you know, the code of morality needs to be held accountable as well as those who cover it up the situation. And it should be some type of compensation uh, set up for those who have been uh, mistreated. But after a person really uh, gets uh, confessed their sins and say, I'm going to sin no more unless the worst thing come upon me, we need to have a tremendous structure of restoration put in place and uh, see, Nathan in the Bible held David accountable for his great sin, and yet he was restored. And I believe that when we experience restoration, it needs to be a situation that is uh, a restoration from a biblical perspective, and that, that we're not going to some of these cultist people and uh, word faith people and going to some of these places that are not uh, solidly biblical so we can be restored the right way. Uh, the last thing that I want to say on this is this, is that um, I believe that there's always been a problem with the whole setup of uh, the priests uh, being single. And even though I believe that some men and women, like nuns, are called by God to do that, I believe a large segment of them are not. And I really do believe that that they have built their whole system of being a priest on a faulty ground. And that faulty ground is that they say that Peter was the first priest well, that's a faulty ground because Peter was married. <laughs> you know, Peter had a family. And I believe that uh, if you have a, the Bible says better to marry than to burn in your own lust. A lot of these men need to say, you know what, this is not, they need to listen to God. This is not a place that I need to be in because I'm going to have a lot of issues with that. I need to get married. And then if you have a problem with addiction, sexual addiction, you don't need to be in that area anyway. Because when you hear about these priests taking advantage of boys, they got a serious addiction problem. And they need to be in a treatment program where they don't need to be in ministry at all. So this is kind of like my feedback on this situation. Uh, I hope that it's helped to give some insight to 
you as well as others who are listening, and I'm open to hear anything, any feedback from you, Rick, on what I've said. I agree with what you're saying, and I, I, wanted, I wanted to add something uh, to it also, mm-hmm. because uh, it, it's, it's not only the responsibility of the, uh, you know, the, the public committees to hold people accountable, but I think what, what's happening is the attitude of our lay people, too, that also comes into play, because many times we take, we take our leaders, and we even go as far as deifying these leaders. And not realizing that they are human beings just like we are. They're given, they're given a great responsibility. They have the gifts and talents. But they, they're just as capable of failing as, as we are. So I think we we got to have that perspective. And, and I think also as a layperson, let's look at our responsibility like this. Why are we, com- why are we coming to church? Are we coming? We're coming to get at. We're coming to get edified and glorify God. And uh, the other thing is, uh, we want to be people. We want to be people of faithfulness. What about the role of the layperson as well in all this? Because many times we we believe that no, this can never happen in our churches. And I hear people say that, and we get we get annoyed that the media brings this up. But they're telling the truth. Any they're telling the truth, and we have to learn how to accept the truth and be humble about it. So uh, those are those are things that are on my heart as well. Yes, and that's one of the reasons why I said that the power needs to come down to the laypersons and the laypersons who are part of the board as well as the um, pulpit committee uh, board. They are the ones that have to hold them accountable. But also, too, there was a, a, a priest that was talking the other day, and he was saying that he was from uh, another diocese, but he wasn't part of the one in Pennsylvania. But he said he had heard about it, but he did nothing. So I'm going to challenge not only the laypersons, but other leaders that are ministers uh, pastors, other priests, they need to also hold other leaders accountable. They cannot afford to be quiet, compromise, confuse, and contradict. That's really important. Well, Rick, thank you so much for your call and your um, you know feedback, and we appreciate your question. And God bless, and just keep me in prayer. Also pray for the McCain family because I don't know if anybody got the news. Well, we did. My wife, my wife called me and let me know that uh, Senator John McCain had passed on. Okay, just want to keep that in prayer. Yes, we need to do that. Thank you so so much. As a matter of fact, let's pray for his family right now, Brother Gary. All right, Lord God, we just lift up the McCain family. We know that they are. suffering right now, but you are the God of all comfort. And with the same comfort you comfort us, we pray you would comfort them. Surround them with your love and with your presence. Let them feel it like they've never felt it before. And let them realize that we believe he's with you and that that this is their opportunity, if they have not received you, to receive 
you as well, Lord God, that they might see him one day again. We don't mourn as the world mourns, but we mourn knowing that one day we will see our loved ones again if we've made a decision to follow you. So we pray for the family that they would have made that decision. And if not, that you would bring people into their lives to lead them to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Brother Gary. And Brother Rick, we will keep you in our prayers as well. So you stay strong and uh, call in again. God bless. God bless. All right. All right. Let's go to Brother CC. He's been waiting patiently tonight. Brother CC, how you doing? Um, hanging in there. How you doing? Well, we're blessed. We're blessed. You know what? Uh, I want to say this. Um, a lot of people say I'm holding on to God's hand. And I said, well, you know what? Our grip is uh, too fragile. We need to let God hold on to our hand because his grip, he'll never let us go. Sometimes we let God go. But we need to let God hold on to us, and and you know that's the important thing. Uh, how did you get blessed by the word tonight? Uh, I was get blessed. There's a lot, a lot of things I didn't learn. I mean, a lot of things about about the first that I didn't really realize um, that you had mentioned. You mentioned a lot of things. I can't cover it all, but um, it was a blessing. But I like I like how you closed it out um, in terms of um, bringing back, you know, bringing that glory to Jesus. And, you know, saying about the first words he said, and it was, it was just enlightening. Amen. That's a key point, isn't it? Uh, Matthew, yeah, that was a key point, Matthew, that, that redemptive connotation you had. Yes, Matthew 6 and 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Oh, if we would do that, our lives would be better, our world, churches, everything. Uh, we sought him first. Yes, yeah, so we appreciate uh, the uh, feedback as well. Do you have any uh, concerns or uh, did you finish up what you were saying last time? I know last time I talked to you, you were going to close up uh, a few things on what you said. Did you want to add uh, a few th- yeah. add a few things before we end on that subject? Uh, yeah. Um, I'll just read the verse right quick. I did. I try to be quick as possible. In, in Romans 3, 7, it says, for if the truth of God has more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged a sinner? And for last week, I, we, uh, we had learned that the Jews were, were um, they thought they were righteous because they were Jews, they thought they were righteous because of their circumcision and keeping the law and ceremonies and, and tradition and all these other different things, and that was their confidence that they was going to uh, get into heaven. And basically, um, the Apostle Paul brings the Jews into the courthouse of God's justice, and he renders their verdict. And Paul says, if I follow your argument, then I can't be judged a sinner. Your argument makes no sense when I look at the Word of God. In other words, what Paul's saying, if my lie that is practice is contrary to the truth, conducive to the glory of God, by making his truth shine with superior glory, then why am I yet judged a sinner? If the unfaithfulness of the Jews to the way of covenant brings glory to God, then what, how can they be condemned for it? So what Paul's saying in, in, in a nutshell is that you guys don't understand the righteousness of God. The Jews have fell into Romans chapter 9. If you be ignorant, being ignorant of God's righteousness, they're going to establish their own righteousness and not have submitted to the God, glory of God. And Jesus said, except your righteousness is uh, the scribes of the Pharisees, 
you know, no case enter into the kingdom of God. And he said in Acts 6, 33, don't worry about you're going to eat or drink, but search first the kingdom of God, and righteousness, all his righteousness will be added unto you. And he says, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. So Paul's verdict is, is they're guilty, which is found in verse 19, when it says, every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may become guilty before God. And it's appointed for man to die once, and after this, the judgment. And the Bible tells us in John 5, 22, that no man judges, judges uh, no man judges, but the uh, but no father doesn't judge, but the, uh, committed all judgment to the son. And so, in closing, we can't get right with God by our own works. We have to submit to Jesus Christ. We have to submit to him. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through me. So the only way we can make it into heaven is the finished blood of Jesus Christ, the substitutionary, atoning work of Jesus Christ becoming our propitiation. Amen. Well said. And uh, we're really um, uh, blessed by the way you have done your homework <laughs> and your study. And matter of fact, uh, I always ask the salvational question, if somebody were to die, uh, right now, and we were to stand before God, and he says, why should I let you into my kingdom? You get all sorts of responses, but the right answer would be because of Christ and his righteousness. That's why we should enter in. Uh, thank you, CC. Well done job, and God bless, and we'll give you some more assignments. Brother Gary. All right. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. We'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, Frederick, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us. So please drop us a note. Let us know how this program has blessed you. <clears throat> you can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers. Until next week at this time, when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.